have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. What? If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. What difference at this point does it make? If you're looking to make sense out of what's in the world today, then you come to Sense Talk Radio with your host, Annie, the Radio Chicky Bellis, and featuring Curtis C.S. Bennett and the most interesting guests that you'll find anywhere on Internet radio. And you can join the show and let your voice be heard by dialing 917 889 Three six seven five. So sit back, relax, and remember, Southern sense is common sense. Welcome to another adventure here on Southern Sense. You're listening live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, Global Enlightenment Radio. I don't even know if we're still there anyway. <laughs> iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker. <coughs> Actually, I dropped YouTube today and Facebook and half a dozen other places like iHeartRadio and Amazon Music now. Uh, we're all over the place, so sit back and enjoy. Oh, yes, I have to remember also on Substack. Uh, just got to remember where we are. Just go to the name of the show. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. I'll be updated. If I get around to it. <laughs> anyway, I'm your hostess with the least most of the radio ticket, the Annie, along with my co-host going, oh, I'm in for it today, Curtis C.S. Ben. <laughs> Good afternoon, Curtis. Hey, speaking <laughs> of um, us being everywhere, I spoke. I was keynote speaker at a constitutional event um, this past Sunday in Jacksonville, and I met quite a few people who said they listened to the show. Of course, I was gracious enough to thank them and to um, tell them to, you know, let their friends know about us. So that was nice. Yeah, that that was great. That is absolutely great. I had my um, county GOP meeting last night, and... Uh, I had a couple of people come up and say, "Hey, listen, I love the show." Ah, <laughs> I actually had, uh, I actually have a paid subscriber. So it's, yes, so we you can actually you know follow us on Substack and get all the articles I'm starting to post and uh, the actual podcasts, and that's where you'll find all the archives now up on Substack. Just it's going to be Substack dot uh, com, and then uh, it's going to be at Southern Sense <laughs> over there. Just search for Southern Sense over on Substack. You'll find me. Anyway, uh, 
we got a guest coming on. We've got uh, three great people. We have uh, Jim Huddleston has a great brand new video out that's just being released called Go Away Joe. Oh, my goodness. We're going to play his music. Uh, so when he releases the whole video, you can go up on his Facebook page and watch it and download it. Uh, we also have Eddie Mann. Uh, he's a top ten Christian uh, music artist weekly, and he's got a new album that's out called Chapel Songs. And then from the Heritage Foundation, we have Laura Reese, uh, who is the Border Security and Immigration Center uh, Director. So we got ourselves a jam-up show. And because we shortened the show, we're moving along a little bit faster than we normally do. So we start off in each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And I'm hoping that this video will go through like it didn't last week. It should succeed. If not, then I will read the dedication um, so here we go. Today's dedication is going to go out to De- Detective Delberth Phillips. I'm sorry. Let me do that again. I apologize. Detective Delberth Phipps Jr. of the U.S. Virgin Islands Police Department. His end of watch was Tuesday, July 4th of this year. And this is the dedication. All right, I kind of like messed that up a little bit, so I apologize. And uh, I was supposed to read the uh, dedication first prior to playing the music and the film, uh, but this is from the Officers Down Memorial page, where Detective Delbert Phipps was shot and killed when he and several other officers responded to reports of an armed subject in the yard of the hospital grounds shortly before 8 a.m. As the officers arrived, they encountered a subject wearing a ballistic vest and armed with a semi-automatic rifle. The man opened fire on officers and shot Detective Phipps during the ensuing, ensuing shootout. The subject was also wounded and taken into custody. Detective Phipps was transported to the Schneider Regional Medical Center where he succumbed to his wounds. The man had been arrested for an unrelated murder several months earlier and was out on bond at the time he murdered Detective Phipps. And just a little side note, um, my parents had lived in the Virgin Islands and up until three years ago, my mother still lived there. 
and the hospital in which my father passed away 10 years ago, next month, was the Schneider Regional Medical Center. They are wonderful people. And I'm sure they did their very best to help Detective Phipps. God bless these brave men and women that serve on the front line as first responders and first defenders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, emergency services, or our military men and women that served from the birth of this nation to today. And I also will now add the brave men and women that serve in our medical facilities, the hospitals, and emergency triage centers that help so many people. God bless each and every one. All right. <coughs> it looks like we have our guest in. Let me see if I can try not to mess this up too badly and bring him on. Uh, just bear with me for a second and get his photo up here. Uh, come on. There we And that's supposed to go away. Folks, this is all new to us. <laughs> so let's welcome aboard. <clears throat> that's if we unmute him. And he's going, oh, God, what type of a show did I just call into? <laughs> they can't get their acts together. <laughs> uh, welcome, Jim Huddleston, a Marine Corps, hurrah, uh, and also now a country singer with an outstanding hit that we're going to play in a little bit. Welcome aboard, Jim. And <laughs> sorry, you know I'm nuts. <laughs> well, that's okay. Aren't we all a little these days? <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit, I swear. Uh, I've been trying new things with the video play on the uh, output I have here that shows up on Facebook, iHeart, and Amazon Music, and all the other places it goes out to. I dropped YouTube. Uh, YouTube dropped me uh, three times now, and I finally got myself back up a fourth time, and I guess they kind of like got the hint that I am a conservative and I will talk about COVID and all those other issues they don't want us to talk about. So I guess yeah, that's no they no. use their algorithms to block me. <laughs> so I have been blocked oh my. no matter what I do. <laughs> I, my, my badge of honor. My badge of honor. <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you what. If that's what they, you know, they could block me everywhere in the world. As long as they tell people why they block me, I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, they keep on telling me that I'm giving out misinformation. <laughs> you know, it's an opinion talk show. And I also would cite them and I say, like, this is where I got my inf information from. And most of the time it would be from a U.S. government website that the Biden administration put out. <laughs> and now that's not good enough. Which tells me no one reads your protests. <laughs> yeah, you know that's a that's an interesting thing. I, I got my first hint when uh, uh, Corrine there, Jean Pierre, accidentally posted one of Biden's posts from her own <laughs> Facebook. So <laughs> I kind of figured he wasn't reading anything. <laughs> I, I would kind of like figure that, yeah, yes, too. But um, I want to uh, ask you a little bit about your background. We know that you're from the Dallas area, um, and uh, you entered the Marine Corps. You also have a musical background. Tell us how you got into that and where you where it all came from. Well, I grew up in a little town outside of Dallas. Well, it's not little anymore. Um, they've added quite a bit. But I grew up in Irving, Texas, about a mile from the old. Dallas Cowboys Stadium, and my dad was a barber there, and 
back in the day, he, you know, we were poor. You know, barbers don't make a whole heck of a lot of money, and when you're self-employed, you give most of it back anyhow when you're, if you're an honest man. And he was. So he made a side living playing steel guitar for, uh, you know, they were famous to me, you know, but uh, they were the Seven Row Brothers band, and they played back in the day with, when Bob Wills did and their sister played a stand-up baseball. But all of them coincidentally were um, barbers and locksmiths, and they all had their lock shops all there in Irving, Texas. There were four of the brothers operated the business there, and my dad was a barber in one of those shops. And they would practice in the back of this barber shop that my dad worked at that's where they had all their equipment set up so as a kid i'd go there after school fascinated with the music and you know they made it kind of clear they were all older fellows back then so all right well you can go sit over in the corner over there and you can strum your guitar just don't plug it in (laughs) (laughs) so i learned how to strum guitar and you know, after about a year, all of a sudden, they said, hey, we'll just, we're going to take this kid with us. We kind of like him. And I got to go to places where a kid could go in Texas if his daddy was with him and maybe a few places that you weren't supposed to go. But I got to go <laughs> and I got to play. And, of course, it was for free. And they called that my Harvard education. And um, I just kind of, I kind of took it from there so i guess you know i've been playing i guess i've been playing guitar now since i was uh 10 so we're pushing 45 years now Mm -hmm. and then we had an old old piano in the house when my folks bought the house when they got married um there was an old piano there and they just kept it and I'd sit down with those Jerry Lee Lewis 45s. Most people don't even know what a 45 is anymore, but they're a little record. <laughs> so I'd sit down with those Jerry Lee Lewis 45s and taught myself to play piano, and then I had guitar, and I got to start playing with the band, and that's how it got rolling, and I never put it down. And all of my life, even when I was working 16-hour days in the car business, I uh, mm-hmm. always had a guitar in the living room. And well, now, we'll I, pick it up from time I, to time. I, I, you actually have me going back in my mind because there was 45s, 33s. What were the ones prior to that? Um, 78s. 78s. Yes, I do have a collection of them. And I have the old wind-up Victrola. <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah no, I, I never had a – I never. my grandmother had a wind-up. And I always wanted one, but she wouldn't let you didn't touch the you didn't touch that. <laughs> that was one of the things that grandma saw. So there were two things. She had one of them foot operated singers sewing machines and then she had yep. that wind up and you didn't touch either one of them. But I did have the little <laughs> I, I had the little suitcase looking thing that would open up and it was a record player. And mm-hmm. you could change, mm-hmm. it had a little knob. You could change the speed from 33 to 45 to 78. Right. And, and there's then, this little plastic thing you put into the little 45 to make it fit on the spindle. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And I had a good time with that thing. My my dad, for a present once, he had this collection of 45s that you just wouldn't believe, and they were just all in this rack. And I would 
pull them out, and one day it'd be the there was the Big Bopper's wedding, and then the on the other side was Chantilly Lace, and I'd just play them, and I even had one from the Archies. I didn't even know who they were, but <laughs> I had one. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. you know, definitely you you're you're going to be a frequent guest on this show because uh, <laughs> what people don't know, you don't live too far away from me. You just a short ride. Uh so I'm going to actually work on getting my studio office and broadcast side by side with me because this is just too much fun having you here. Uh, we don't have enough time. I thought, you know, it would be a really short interview. With the, uh, you you need more than just, you know, 25 or 20 minutes. I swear. Well, you know what? You can say a lot in 20 minutes if people will let you. <laughs> That's where my problem goes in is, is I'll get about two sentences in and people's hands go up. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, no, we we don't talk about that here. You know, I worked in a business. You know, I told you I was I, – I got in the car after the Marine Corps. The only job I ever had was I started out selling cars, and then I managed to finance, and then I managed the sales floor, and then – when I retired out of Oregon, I, I, I somehow landed in Oregon. I'm not sure how, but I did. My wife, my my wife's family, my I should say my ex-wife's family, a long time ago, was from Oregon, <laughs> and that kind of made me end up in Oregon. And I spent 25 years there until I just couldn't handle it, <laughs> couldn't handle it anymore. After COVID, everybody lost their mind, so <laughs> I had to keep my sanity. So I left. <laughs> Oh wow! Oh wow! Well, you know, God bless you for that. Now, you never did say if you went to Paris Island. Uh, no, I was at uh, MCRD in San Diego. No, I avoided uh, Paris Island. Yeah, that's a funny thing. I never could figure that out. You know, we were all Texas boys, and me and a couple of boys from high school in the church, we. We left on the same day on that buddy system for whatever that's where as soon as we got there, they split us all up. But you know how it goes. Of we got to ride on the plane <laughs> together. <laughs> but they'd send all the Texas boys to San Diego, and it seemed like everybody from the West Coast got to go down there and play with the bugs, which was fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're running out of time here. Um, you wrote a, a song that is being just released. When's the release date on this one? Uh, release date's October 6th. Um, that is what okay. MTS Records has told me is they plan to release that and a video on 10-6, and then I'm working on an album after that. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. So we definitely have to get you come back. I'm okay. scared. You're going to be here. You're going to be an awesome guest. Um the name of the song is Go Away Joe, and just give me a quick, what made you write this song? My wife or actually, made me. The song is self-explanatory, bud. <laughs> yeah, no, my, my, you know, because I just got sick and tired of the mainstream media taking over and just not saying how it is, and you know, I'm, I'm of the, I'm of a simple man mindset. I, I, I have an education, but you don't have to have an education to kind of see what's going on around here. There's a lot of money changing hands. We had that LGBTQ movement, and before that, we had BLM and Antifa and all of that that make up about 8% of the population. And I said, you know, 
How much money's changing hands here when 8% of the country runs the other 92, you know? And here's just a few people speaking out about it. And so I made so many jokes about it. My wife said, you need to write a song about that because you just telling all these jokes. You need to just put them all together into a song. So I did. <laughs> and it just kind of <laughs> went from there. And somebody said, oh, you way, shouldn't wife... say that. And somebody said, oh, you shouldn't say that. And I said, Okay, now I'm really going to put it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is it is a, a, a great great um, song, and I'm right now I'm trying to get something to work, and it's oh there we go there we go. Um, we're going to cue this by Jim Huddleston. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. So hot to Looking pretty bad too. Go away, bad Joe. Go the hell away. 
Oh. <laughs> well, what do you think, Annie? Anybody, am I going to get anyone knocking on my door on that one? Hello. She must be having some kind of technical issues. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I loved it. It's a great song. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, that was, uh, it's just from the heart. You know, I wish they'd get more, more people that would stand up and call him on that stuff. Yeah. What inspired you to write that? My wife made me. I've made so many jokes about him and spent so much time sitting on my rear end yelling at the TV mm-hmm. set and Fox News. She said, you know what, why don't you just write a song? So I yeah. did, and somebody said, hey, man, you can't be saying that. And I said, oh, now I'm really going to put it out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now, since you didn't go to Paris Island for basic, you must have went to Pendleton, right? Yeah, I went to MCRD just off Pendleton, right next to it. Back then, they had the Camp Nimitz, the Navy base, right next door. So we could, two things we could see. We could see the Navy boys with nice tennis shoes running around a really nice track. And then on the back fence line, you could see the airport, which was just really depressing. (laughs) Wow, get out of here. I know there was a base there one time, like on the hill going down and the planes would come over real low, almost like they were gonna crash or something, but Yeah. It was it was off of a, a street called Rosencrant. But uh, that was so many years ago. Well sadly and, I tell you, they didn't let me see a whole lot of San Diego. I saw a whole mess of drill sergeants, but I didn't see a whole lot. <laughs> oh yeah. I guess they were like um in full metal jacket. I love that guy. Gunny Sergeant. <laughs> yeah, you know, they were still at the point where they didn't, you know, they didn't come up and slap me, and I probably would have got, I was the, my dad, my dad was an E-8 in, in the in the military, and so I was kind of prepared, and so half of the stuff they did, I'd laugh, and so I, I had some pretty big arms by the time I got out of there, because I think I did more push-ups than anybody. <laughs> oh, man, I, I just, I just love that scene where he tells um, Paul to choke yourself. No, not with your own hands, dummy. <laughs> choke yourself, my hand. Yeah, they, oh, wow. the funniest the thing they bad. did. The funniest thing they did while I was there was they still name everybody names. You're a private. I was private possum. I won't even get into why that was, but you know, it, they had the two come up and stand at attention, and they he proceeded to conduct the wedding, and he was. You will say that you'll take this. You got it. Guy's <laughs> like, no, sir. Man. And he goes, oh yes, you will. Wow. And it got so bad that was about third phase where I didn't even have to do anything. He'd just say, Huddleston, get on your face. I know you're laughing. Mm-hmm. Man. So, have you ever thought about doing any any concerts for, for you know, like, like the military, like veterans or or whatever. The USO. Yeah, the plan is, the plan is, this was my debut single, and I've got an album that's going to be coming out that's a little combination of country and gospel, and the plan is, of course, 10% to the church, that's got to be a must, and then um, I'm hoping to set up something where there's 10% going to Tunnels to Towers, 
And oh, then, yeah, I, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to tour. You know, unlike you know, we've had a couple of sensations that'll come out, but they just don't want to go around. And I'm retired, man. I mean, I retired early. I'm not quite 55. I will be in a couple of months. And yeah, I'm ready to get out and start right. telling everybody I see. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, so, yeah. I'm ready to get in front well, of people. Can't wait. So where can our listening audience um, look you up on, on the Internet? Do you have a website um, you can give out? I don't, I don't yeah, have a there's website. a link on the show page. There's they, a link on the show page my... to his Facebook page. Okay. okay yeah, and then, and then the MTS management group, that's my management group and manager and producer. He does everything. They post about me, but I re I repost everything they do. So I mean, if you go to my personal web uh, Facebook page, you'll see everything about me. Know when and where and what. <laughs> All right, good, good. I'll let Andy well, take it from here. Well, it has been fantastic, Jim. And like I said, you're going to have to come back often because you're just too much fun. There was a couple of more things I wanted to talk to you about, but they're going to have to wait until when you come back. How's that sound? Hey, not a problem. Next time I come through Beaufort, I'll buy you lunch. And number two, God bless what you're doing, Annie. They need more people like you. Oh, thank you, Eddie. All God right. bless. You take All care. Right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Eddie Van, check him out. There's a link on the show description to his show, uh, to his Facebook page. want to welcome another new guest onto the show. He's never been here mm-hmm. before, but want to welcome on Eddie Mann. Um, he has an absolute new album coming out, a very stirring and lovely, lovely album called Chapel Songs. Good afternoon, Eddie. How are you today? I'm doing great. Nice to meet you. Great to be here. Yeah, I mean, we're getting a twofer with uh, Mike over there today. You know, he's looking out for me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you've been in the business for quite a long time. I mean, uh uh, Jim just is starting to get into it, as you could tell. Uh, but you've been in this for so long, and you've been – how do you stay vital and active in an industry that can just chew you up? I think that um, part of it – I guess it's twofold. One is that I'm a creative – I'm naturally a creative. Um, I, I I tend to – kind of what's the word I want to use I I kind of it's like magnetism I find things daily that I just uh, I want to write about I want to talk about um, I want to share with people and um, the driving force behind all of it is my faith Um, and I I think being being a man of faith and having a platform having a voice um, is is such a big chunk of it Um, uh, not everybody gets that every day or not everybody figures out what their purpose is faith-wise, what gift they have and how to use it. And um, for me, uh, the music platform has, has opened up every avenue in my life. Uh, and as, as, as is usual the case, in hindsight, you can see how God maneuvered things and made things happen. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting to learn how people ha- ended up with that epiphany to realize that this is the path their life wants to walk on. Um, where did yours come from? 
I was really, really fortunate to be brought up in a Christian household. My parents went to church every week, uh, and I tagged along as a little kid. I wore my little bow tie and my hat and my suit, and uh, I walked along with mom and dad, and um, I, uh, I, those, those seeds were planted, there were seeds of faith that were planted, and uh, my household, I mean, my household really was, um, and I really grew up with Ozzie and Harriet, um, I, that's the kind of household I was brought up in, and that's a, such a blessing in itself. And uh, well, as I got older, I, um, like like a lot of kids, I think in general, you, you sway, and I kind of faded away um, from the church that I was brought up in, um, trying to figure out uh, who I was and what I really believed, uh, and uh, that that journey took me into being a full-time musician. Um, I had left I had left college in my sophomore year to get music out of my system, and a lifetime later, I'm still doing it. Um, but it wasn't until, oh, I don't know, I was in my mid-30s. Um, I had just gotten married. Um, I had taken a job, uh, a teaching position, so that I wouldn't be on the road. And um, I was in a faculty room one day, and... I wrote, I wrote a song in 15 minutes, and uh, it 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 was my it was truly my epiphany moment. I finished it. Um, it was um, it, it was it was pre cell phone, so I, I was kind of freaked out. I couldn't. I had nobody to tell. I couldn't call my wife. I had to wait until <laughs> I got home that until I got home that night. And and tell her what had happened, but I just I was overwhelmed. With, why haven't you been using this gift in my kingdom? You know, why wasn't I using it in His kingdom my whole life? And it really now, did change me, everything. Yes. Let me guess. Let me guess. The song you're talking about is called "Speak It to Life." Correct? Uh, actually, actually, no. Um, ah. I'm trying to think. The song was called uh oh my goodness <laughs> swept up in joy swept up in joy it was called swept ah. up in joy it's actually it's actually on a uh part of an uh, a long playing album called uh soul du jour that i released it a long time ago now 15 20 years ago when i first uh started doing uh, again using my gift to serve god's kingdom um but I was just overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed with uh, writing for God and writing, writing for, um, writing about living in the kingdom. That was it at first. It really wasn't about worship. It wasn't about praise. It was about what, what is it like to live in God's kingdom here, uh, in this world. And uh, so I started writing songs of that ilk. And a pastor I had never met from a church that I had never gone to. Uh, just called me up one day and he said, do you have 15 minutes? I said, sure. Uh, drove to his church. We met for three hours. I walked out. I was a worship leader and neither of us knew exactly what that meant. <laughs> we didn't know what, what the definition was going to be, but they wanted someone who was uh, a new Saturday night service. And um, that would, that would, that would lend itself to people who were either disenfranchised from the traditional church service or 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 whatever um and within 
within uh, five months or so, it, it blew up, and we had to add a, a Sunday service, and within a year, that was 300-plus strong, and it was just just a glorious time. I was I was the church just wanted me to write for them. They wanted me to create music. Um, and uh, so I started writing from the get-go for the church, thinking more worship and praise. And, uh, and it ended up being just a, a, a wonderful opportunity for me. And um, today I'm, I'm fortunate and blessed enough to have um, – have songs sung on on Sunday morning in churches across different countries and now I'm not a big fish I'm a big <laughs> I'm a big fish in in quite a few little ponds if that makes any sense <laughs> there's a number of people that think I'm 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 much more than I am um my wife's not one of them, of course, because she has to live with me twenty four seven. She knows exactly who I am. <laughs> but um, but no, it's it's it truly is a blessing. I found out um, maybe five or six years ago that there was this little uh, um, a Christian school in Ireland, and they used one of my songs every week in their chapel to start chapel, and uh, little things like that, you know, where you don't because we how often do people you, you you're doing something for god but you don't always see the results god doesn't you know give us a report at the end of the day this is how many people you touched this is a person you saved this is a person you we don't get that kind of you know we know he's we know he's working and using the, the gifts that we have and he has a purpose for us but every once in a while i feel like he just you know he'll give me a little nudge and say here's one here's one for you well i wanted to play that one song speak it to life if you'd like so people can get an idea yeah absolutely all right well this is eddie man to life and let's get it queued up here waiting for it to that's if i hit the right keys (laughs) come on
Eddie Mann and his new album come, that is out, or is it has it already been released, or is it being released? Eddie Mann with the travel songs. Ah, yes, it's out now. And where and where can people find it? Anywhere music is streamed and sold. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I always love asking whenever I have a musician on, and you know I'm basically a conservative talk show, and every once in a while it's a, a treat for me to have someone like you or like Jim on the show. It gives me a little bit of a break. But when you put your mm-hmm. music together, I know some musicians like to get the whole band in all at once. Others like to lay track by track and have different musicians come in to lay the track. But you do something different. You're a one-man band, aren't you? Yeah, this particular album especially, um, everything on it is me. It's totally in-house. I did the artwork even. Um, I had the idea of doing this particular album for a while. I wanted to get back to doing something that was straight worship. I had been doing a couple couple albums previous to this, which were, again, kind of what it's like for me to live through this, live in the kingdom every day. They're more life, daily life songs. And uh, I really had a collection of songs that I wanted to offer up as worship and praise. And um, I've also known a lot of worship leaders over the years that thought that they couldn't, um, they couldn't do certain songs from certain uh, churches because they didn't have the full band. You know, most churches are reaching out, trying to get musicians anywhere they can. So I wanted to present some simpler songs and uh, a simpler approach and, uh, just have some songs that were easily uh, easily uh, put together in a, in a, for a smaller church, and um, and again, there's a, let it let it uh, let it shine. The song we just listened to is, you know, it's a song everybody grew up in the church sang that as a child, you know, high, holding up our little candle and and singing about it. And I like to talk to people about what that means to them. What does that mean to them now? What's what's that? that light that's that light that's burning what's the what's the what's the gift you have now what does that light represent what is what's what about you is shining in this world because lord knows it's a dark place out there it is it, it can be and it is um i wanted to, i asked you about you know where they can get your music but you do have your own website which i want to get into don't yes, you yes um my website my website is eddyman.com, E-D-D-Y-M-A-N-N. And uh, Facebook is eddyman.musician. And Twitter and Instagram are eddie understroke, uh, M-A-N-N, man. Now, on your website, you have just not only your music, but you've got your artwork, uh, some of the things you've written. Uh, tell us about this, because you, you, it's great. I have a link to it on this show page, so when p- people listen to it live or mm-hmm. in the archive, they can click on your name, and we'll go straight to your website. Wonderful. And I get a Appreciate commission. That. <laughs> I get a commission. Ah, no. <laughs> Not a problem. Not a problem. I would graciously Just send joking. you a commission. I'm all, well, I seriously am all about people um, having the opportunity 
you know, and, and wanting to be able to reach people, touch people, put a smile on their face, give them a little bit of comfort. It's not me personally. I'm just a vessel for God to work through. Um, uh, but yeah, there's some artwork on there. There's some uh, photography on there. These are these are these are creative outlets that were supposed to give me a break from being the songwriter all the time. But inevitably, if I take a picture of something, I see a story in it, and then I hear a song in it, and it's so I don't know that I can ever truly get away from it. Uh, but I do enjoy I do enjoy different uh, medias creatively. And, it is, and some of the stuff is real, not shouldn't say some of the stuff, all the stuff on the website is absolutely beautiful, stunning artwork. And I, I did make, mean to play the other song, and somehow or other my fat fingers hit the wrong song. But that's all right. <laughs> that's, okay. that's okay. That's okay, too, because I, that's a song that I've, I'm using a lot right now as I guest uh, at different churches on Sunday morning. I've been using that a lot because it crosses over. Uh, it's very easy to... To, uh, for people to have some ownership to it because they've heard it before and they kind of remember it from their youth. and That's why I get to challenge them now as adults. What does it mean now? <laughs> you know, what I find amazing is that, you know, when you go to church, you pick up the hymnal and you're singing the song, songs that you, are familiar to you in your mind or whatever, and you think, well, this is probably written like uh, 120 years ago. But people don't realize that there's someone like you out there still creating a new, whole new genre. And you don't just uh, focus on one type of music. You expand, of course, the whole spectrum. So you get a little flavor of, I don't know, more of a country feel or more of a slow pace feel. You, you change your styles. Yeah, my father uh, was a, was a, like a, bebop type jazz pianist and he brought me up in a household that listened to all different types of music and um, even though I may not have appreciated it uh, in my teens um, as an adult and as a songwriter growing into it I found that I had a lot of different influences from the things that I had listened to they all became a part of the fabric of who I am so when it came time to write uh, I guess as a younger writer I probably thought uh, where the song wanted to go naturally to take it where I wanted it to go. And I've learned now to just allow the song to go where it wants to go. And that may be a folk song. It may be a country song. It may be jazz-influenced, R&B, blues, rock. Um, I don't have any qualms about um, where it needs to go. Uh, I just, again, I just want to, I want to be along for the ride. <laughs> Well, that that you are, uh, and it's really a lot of fun to uh, to listen to a lot of this stuff. And um, one of the songs you have did make it to a one number one hit. Um, is this one? I, honestly, I have to apologize because I didn't look to see what was on the actual album. But is "Hope of the World" on the album? Yeah, "Hope of the World" was the first single off of uh, Chapel Songs, and uh, just this past week it, it was. Uh, it was number one on an iTunes chart in uh, the United Kingdom. Um, so uh, it's it's had a great little a great little start. I'm real excited about it, excited for it, and uh, and it's a, it's such a simple song, in conceptually conceptually it's just understanding that um, God truly is the only person that really can can correct all the things that are wrong in this world. He's, you know, that our hope has to rely, has to lie on him. 
Um, and hopefully, you know, in, in my time, I'll start seeing some change um, back to the values that I kind of embraced, the kind of the values that I was brought up on, um, just being a responsible person, being, being, uh, being responsible for, you, for the things you say, for the things you do, having ownership to it, and not just passing it off to someone else. And, or, um, I, 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 I don't know. There's just, you know, I could get on my soapbox and I could go off um, because <laughs> there's just so many things. There's just so many things that don't align for me. Um, it's just very, either it aligns biblically or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, then I have, then I have, I have to figure out how, how do I, how do I live in a landscape that's constantly changing? And for me, not the better, not for the better, you know. And, and that's not to say there aren't some wonderful people out there doing wonderful, absolutely wonderful things with beautiful hearts that that also want to see change and 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 uh, a more a godly focus um i don't pretend to be the only person i'm just one person but but i do believe that i think i i believe that if, if i get my little ship in order and if i if i'm doing all i can in my community with my gift my little ship if everybody else got their own little ships together, we'd have this fleet of <laughs> ships out there that could do some real, that could create some real change in the world. So, um, well, then you could that, also you could you could also take take the P off the word and put a T on it and tell them to get that together too. <laughs> so, amen. Amen. Totally. Totally. Amen. Well, you could preach that. <laughs> Well, this is your number one hit, Hope of the World, that people can find on your new album that is just released. They can get it on your website, eddieman.com. Hope of the World. Let me cue this up and get it to play. with each new 
Let me just get his mic back up for a split second. That does help, doesn't it? Baby. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. Yeah, baby. Yeah, Chief Cook and Bottle Washer here. Uh, we're, we're waiting for our next guest to come. Uh, but people can find you um, on your website, eddieman.com. You also said you're up on Facebook and other places too? Yes. Facebook is the eddieman.musician. And uh, Instagram and Twitter, or X would be uh, Eddie underscore man. Do you do any live performing in the area that you live in that people can find you and and listen to you? Uh, Yes. uh, I'm I'm, I'm actually going to be in Millville, New Jersey uh, this Sunday. Um, uh, I'll be in the, the Doylestown, Pennsylvania area. Uh, in, in October, um, I'll be doing a weekend in Virginia Beach, uh, Virginia, in November. Um, so I, I get around the, the there's an events uh, link on the website for people to uh, and I and I you know we keep we keep uh, the website and uh, um, Facebook and things like that up to date um, with events too. I also do a, a live. Uh, every Thursday night, I do a live um, Facebook uh, event uh, at seven o'clock, uh, just Eastern time, um, and that's kind of a more of a prayer and worship thing, just a, a, an opportunity to kind of check in uh, during the course of the week. With uh, sometimes just what's in the news. Sometimes we just need to take a break and talk <laughs> and hang out and pray. Um, <laughs> Whatever, whatever is uh, seems to be on my heart at that moment. Uh, but that's every Thursday night. That's called Eden Song. Oh, great, great. Well, we look forward to having you back again, and good luck on this album release. And you know what? Um, I've had the Gettys on the show in the past, and now every time I pick up the hymnal, I'm gonna have to see if it's your name that I'm not looking at as we sing the, the hymn. <laughs> uh, I, I really, I really appreciate uh, your support, and uh, you've been very kind. I appreciate the kind words about uh, about the music and ministry in itself. I appreciate that, and look forward to coming back and being with you again. All right, God bless Eddie Man. Check him out, EddieMan.com. <laughs> All right. We're waiting for our next guest. Curtis is having a little difficulty here. And let's see if we can get her in on the line. And if I can get my little fingers here to work. want to welcome back from the Heritage Foundation, Laura Reeves. Uh, she is with the – I know I'm going to screw this up. I moved my papers around. And the second I did it, I was going to mess myself up. <laughs> she is the director of Heritage Border Security and Immigration Center. Good afternoon, Laura, and welcome back. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it is our pleasure, our pleasure. I mean, things are heating up, and especially with the budget <laughs> being tossed around, and I can get my fiancé to change the channel, and it's 
what's going on is so crazy. We have a major invasion going on, and this Biden administration is putting a deaf ear to it. We're looking how Greg Abbott had the border area. Oh, good Lord. I forgot the area. now. The Dar- Where is it? The Gap? Uh, not, I'm going to say the Darien Gap. Um, and the border where he put up the barbed wire, and then Biden had the border security come and cut it. And now he put it back up again, but now it's being cut by people again. Uh, and you're seeing trainloads of people coming across the border. And this is pure insanity. It's like we've lost our nation. Well, unfortunately, we have. And just last night, President Biden was uh, extolling his policy and his open border operations. Uh, He told the um, Congressional Hispanic Caucus that he directed his staff to process in illegal aliens as fast as possible. uh, And because it would be uh, labor for employers throughout the U.S., and he also said that he was looking to increase the number of refugees coming from Latin America. Um, and so a number of problems. I mean, the, certainly the people coming here, many are claiming or saying the right words of fear as coached when they get to the border. Uh, but that doesn't mean uh, most of them are legitimate asylum applicants. Most of it is that of them are coming for economic reasons. And coming from a nation that has a poor economy does not make you eligible for asylum. You have to be persecuted by your government on your race, your religion, your nationality, your political opinion. And then there's a catch-all category of membership in a particular social group, which unfortunately the left exploits with things like climate change. But in any case, this is very intentional and it will continue until Congress defunds it. Yeah, well, right now, they're trying to defund using a one-month continuing resolution. Uh, It focuses on the Secure the Border Act, H.R. 2. What is in that, and why is that going to be beneficial? H.R. 2 and and Senator Cruz just introduced an identical companion bill in the Senate, also called Secure the Border Act, brings a lot of needed policy changes to our immigration system. Uh, It would require that the wall be um, completed. It requires, um, it it tightens up parole, immigration parole, which is a tool to bring someone into the U.S. temporarily when they don't have time to get a visa. Think of someone who needs emergency surgery in the U.S. and they can't go get a visa. But unfortunately, this administration is grossly abusing parole and bringing in tens of thousands of illegal aliens uh, into the country with parole and then giving them work authorization. So the the bill would tighten up parole to get to congressional intent. Um, It closes the loopholes of catch and release. It closes the loopholes dealing with unaccompanied children that treats Uh, unaccompanied children from Mexico and Canada differently than everywhere else in the world. Um, And it it shuts down a lot of the asylum fraud. It requires people to seek asylum in the first safe country in which they enter, for example, not country shop just to get to the U.S., and and many other tools. They have mandatory E-Verify. So a lot of needed tools that would change the policies that this administration is using 
And um, it, it goes hand in hand with, with defunding the current operations. So it's really critical that it be part of, of any package for uh, funding the government. Well, what I find amazing is that we've got a Congress that has the power of the purse. Now, if the uh, legislative branch finds that the executive branch is violating their authorization, yank the purse. But instead, they have allowed them to use uh, the uh, Department of Homeland Security, specifically ICE funds, for non-defense items, for non-veterans, for non-disaster aids, and spending more than 8% from the fiscal year of 2023. I mean, I'm sorry, your job is border security. Your job is immigration control. You're not supposed to be giving it to, hmm, I don't know, the flavor of the month club? Yeah, unfortunately, this administration has infiltrated ICE and is also using DHS's Office of Civil Rights, Civil Liberties, um, staffing them with um, open border immigration advocates and is turning ICE on its head. So instead of having ICE uh, locate illegal aliens and criminal aliens and other uh, national security and public safety threats, and instead of having them detain those aliens and deport them, it is using ICE to now issue identity cards and to provide social services. Um, So it is, in effect, abolishing ICE from the inside, Um, similar to ways they have gone after police, uh, whether that's defunding police or um, tying their hands from what they can actually do. And unfortunately, going to the point about Congress is very powerful Uh, tool of the purse. I don't know if it's um, laziness or um, lack of creativity, lack of courage, or all of the above, but they are simply rewriting the appropriation bills like they always have and processing them like they always have. And It's very discouraging. It's not difficult to come up with creative ways to defund parts of DHS until they change their behavior. And yet the members and their offices, they they simply don't do it. Uh, We've had some luck getting some amendment language written, um, but it, it, it takes more work than it should. Now, you recently wrote an article uh, just a couple of weeks back titled President Biden's Ukraine Supplemental Request is a Border Trap. And we heard just last night he was uh, sending some long-range missiles over to Ukraine. Uh, but if the Congress is allowing them to, him to do that, why don't they say, well, if you decide to do that, we trade it off and say you have to give us something back in return. But I don't see Congress having the intestinal fortitude to do that. Uh, you want us at the bargaining table, but you're going to dictate all the terms to us. So what's the point of being at the bargaining table? Right, and this is where you, you have a handful, and truly you could count on two hands, the number of uh, members of Congress who are – being courageous and um, 
being consistent and persistent about it um, and and saying not another dime to Ukraine because billions of dollars have gone out the door and there is no accounting for it. And uh, when you've got Zelensky now this week at the UN lecturing about, you know, tying the need for money to climate change, you know, it, it raises some eyebrows, like what's really going on here? Um, and so, yeah, I, I, am, I don't understand how Biden demands money and then announces money for Ukraine when Congress hasn't authorized it. So it's very difficult to track the requested and appropriated, requested, appropriated. But I think that is the point, is um, the left doesn't want this to be tracked. They want it very opaque. Yeah, it, it is funny because, you know, if, if this was President Trump doing it, you'd hear impeach, impeach, impeach. But you have a president in there, um, whether it's because he's feeble-minded and someone else is pulling the strings or he's crazy like a fox, uh, constantly breaking our laws and the Constitution. And no one is saying anything. Well, the left has gotten um, very brazen because they're never held accountable. There are zero consequences. I mean, look at the details around Senator Menendez's indictment today for for the bribery. (laughs) I mean, how many times has that guy been under the microscope? And they just grow more and more brazen because they're never held responsible. There are zero consequences. Um, And so they they just keep plowing ahead and, and, and getting worse about it. So um, I, I guess it's not bad enough for enough people to stand up, be vocal about it, say no more, and follow through with it. Well, you know, it, it, when I was watching the freezer, uh, I'm going way back, probably about 20 years ago or more. <laughs> but, you know, the Democrats have this thing about, you know, instead of, you know, really, you know, uh, uh, what do they call it? Um, oh, good Lord, I'm having a major brain fart. Uh, but washing your money through several different systems, they just turn around and say, no, I'm just going to stuck it, stick it in all these jacket coat pockets or just put it behind the, the mocha ice cream. <laughs> and no one may notice, right? Right. They've gone from laundering to just outright stuff. Yeah, that was the word laundering. <laughs> Matter of fact, remind me, I got laundry in the washing machine. <laughs> but it, it's it, this is really um, outrageous the way we see our immigration system so destroyed. And as they're talking about what's going on the border today, flipping through the channels just to get a flavor of what the others are, it's like, oh, because of what Texas did to put these floats out there, this guy's body is found, you know, floating in the river by one of them and is on Abbott's shoulder. No, it's not. It's on the administration's shoulder that said, come across, I'm going to give you open arms, and no matter what everyone else says, I'm going to find a way for you to come across. That's what we're looking at, isn't it? Yes, and, and um, I mean, the, the administration might as well just say out loud, we want that border open, because every time a state, whether it's Texas or Arizona, tries to put up barriers to close portions of the border, like Arizona did with the shipping containers, Texas is doing with the river buoys, 
um, Texas is doing with the razor wire, each time the feds either swoop in and sue them uh, or, in the case of the razor wire, go in and cut it. Um, so, you know, they'd be more honest if they just admitted, yes, indeed, we want this border open. And now we have all these people that have come across the border, disappeared into the fabric of our society. And what was it? I think the number yesterday was 85 children are unaccounted for. 80, not 85, 85,000 children are unaccounted for. There's no way to know if they're not being trafficked or if they're actually with their families or even if they're alive. Um and yet, I think back to a number of years ago when I had a business here, you had to use E-Verify just to make sure that you could be employed or you could employ the person. That doesn't even exist anymore. I don't even think anyone has ever said the word E-Verify since Biden took office. Yeah, and, and that's going back to that bill we talked about, Secure the Border, that did include mandatory E-Verify. It's sorely needed. Um, but the, the left is, um, you know, they plan for ways around that, too. So every group that they are giving a, quote, unquote, lawful pathway to, they are also including with it work authorization, um, including these parolees. So recall, parole is supposed to be for that urgent humanitarian need, like if you need surgery or if you're about to testify in a criminal trial. In neither of those cases does that person need to be working here. The point is to you come in temporarily because you don't have time to get a visa. You do what you need to do, and then you leave. Um, and yet this administration, again, admitting, uh, or not admitting, but paroling in tens of thousands every month and giving them work authorization. It's just they thumb their nose at the law in, in dozens of ways. Now, not only that, you don't even have to cross the border physically. We're opening up stations in other countries to process these illegal aliens. But oops, our government's or our NGO was processing this person. So that doesn't make them illegal anymore, does it? Well, and this is the word game that the administration plays. And unfortunately, immigration law is needlessly confusing and complicated. And you know, why people talk about legal versus illegal. When you give out these temporary benefits, it's kind of this gray area in between. Uh, and, and so that's why Mallorca says, oh, they're, they're lawful. These are lawful pathways, um, whether he's giving it to them abroad, like you're talking about, or after they get here, or, you know, knocking out our door. Um, but in fact, they are still inadmissible. They don't have visas. CBP reports these numbers in their encounters, um, and CBP would not be reporting these numbers if they had visas. So um, Mayorkas is not to be believed when he calls this a lawful pathway. <laughs> oh, yeah, and um, there aren't the secret police, you know, doing the thought police over there in Mayorkas' CHS. No, no, there's no department like that at all, is there? <laughs> Yeah, well, just on Monday, he announced his new uh, intelligence expert working group headed by none other than James Clapper and John Brennan and, and some <laughs> other signatories to the uh, Hunter Biden laptop letter and who pushed the Russia hoax on Trump. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't so serious, it would make a great comedy show. But the fact is that this is in reality our new America. 
and it's no longer a sitcom. It's actually affecting lives. Um, we have people losing family members to illegal aliens and crime. Uh, we have veterans that are being made homeless because we're turning over the shelters to the illegal aliens. We have children that can't use schools because they now become shelters for illegal aliens. Uh, we have mayors in liberal cities that became sanctuary and all of a sudden upset because they have a problem of homelessness, uh, budget overruns. But, oh, wait a minute, just don't look to see who the man is behind the curtain pulling the strings. Right. It, it's going to show how empty the uh, virtue signaling of sanctuary policies really is because when reality hits, then, you know, people start walking about it, including mayors and, and the governor of New York now. And it doesn't matter where these people are coming from. It's it's the numbers. No city, no state can take on these numbers. And we need more Americans like the New Yorkers who were protesting last week and the Chicagoans on the south side of Chicago protesting their mayor um, because their schools are affected and their jobs are affected and housing and health care and seeing a doctor and getting a doctor's appointment and crime and fentanyl and on and on. I mean, it affects everyday Americans every single day. And so we need more people to stand up and to be vocal about it and to protest. And what no one else is talking about is the number of diseases that we thought were eradicated here in the United States have now come and popped back up. Uh, Tuberculosis, rubella, leprosy, among many others, and Lord knows all the others that we haven't been able to trace. And to be quite honest, um, I was with my fiancé. He was having surgery in the hospital, and there were individuals coming in. Uh, They were obviously not here legally uh, because the documentation they're giving at the hospital desk was really obvious. And a lot of them were coughing, and lo and behold, two days later, I came down with influenza. Now, um, it makes me wonder how many other people are inadvertently being exposed to these diseases that should no longer exist here. Right, and TB is quite serious. And this was something at the beginning of the school year a few weeks ago in New York City. So New York City uh, estimated 19,000 new students over the past year. And uh, many of the um, migrant students, they didn't need to get their vaccinations right away. They got a a 30-day window, and I'm sure that got extended. But think about all the hoops that parents have to jump through um, for our own kids to get their shots before they can go into school. So, you know, we're seeing this disparate treatment again. We saw it during COVID with the vaccines and, and requirements. Um, so, you know, it's it's America last and Americans last at every term. And that's the unfortunate thing. And, of course, you got a lot of people that are too afraid to, to speak out, but now I think enough Americans are getting so upset that it's time for them to speak out. When you have places like you can't even, in Minnesota, can't even park your car in your own garage without being carjacked. Uh, Chicago, the, the murder capital of the world. And don't even talk about how San Francisco has become the cesspool of the world. Um, beautiful places are now completely destroyed. And what happens from here? Now, who's going to care and who's going to clean it up? 
Right. I, I saw today, uh, if you recall, those two teens in Las Vegas that intentionally ran over the gentleman on his bicycle and killed him. I, I saw a report that at least one of them is an illegal alien. You know, this, and we turn a blind eye through mainstream media, or as I call them, lamestream media, and then they demonize any other media outlet, such as One American News or Newsmax, and occasionally Fox News, that brings it to the forefront. Oh, how dare you! You're, you're what, what do they call it? Uh, what was that term when we're so phobic that we don't want aliens around us? Oh, geez. Oh, xenophobic. Xenophobic. <laughs> Thank you. Xenophobic. Yeah. But yeah, we're xenophobic. But no, in we have other countries that will not let us go in unless we have all the proper documentation. Try illegally crossing the border into China or into Russia or into Cuba or into the numerous other countries. You can't even cross the border illegally into Canada. But yet we're the one nation in the world that says, bring us whatever refuse you want to throw at us. And we take it. Yeah, it's because the left uh, knows how to use emotional tools and uh, knows how to badger and to bully the right and labeling them xenophobic as you said. And the right just takes it and then clamps up. And we need to stop doing that. Um, And really, we need to act more like the left and get more vocal about it and start protesting. Um, we need to organize and, and uh, get these politicians' attention um, as, you know, you're starting to see it in New York. Yeah. And because when politicians, they tell us that when, they're, when politicians no, either their, their pocketbook or their power um, or their personal safety, and I'm certainly not advocating threatening politicians, uh, but we saw this with, with crime and, and with the riots when they were personally affected only then do they change mm-hmm. their position. Only then, yeah. But they tell us that we have no heart. We have no heart, no soul, because we don't feel for the needs of these people coming over the border. Yes, the problem is we do feel for the needs of these people. And had they not been enticed, they would not be put in such jeopardy. These women and children that are being raped, these individuals are being trafficked, be they a child or any other individual coming across. They are being put into slave labor. They are risking their lives every moment and every step they take. So you have you're telling me I have no feeling? I feel for their safety. I feel for their welfare. And there is a proper way if they want to come here to do that, and we will bend over backwards to help them. But there is a legal way to do it, and then there's a way where you recklessly risk every individual crossing illegally. And the people on the other side of the border that are here, that are residents and live here legally, you're risk- risking their lives and their safety. Tell me I have no heart. Right. Yeah, it's it's also important to expose um, the the corruption and the perversion on the left that has designed it, particularly with the unaccompanied children. Uh, it, it's the Democrats, it's Sci- Senator Dianne Feinstein, it's Representative Zoe Lofgren, both from California, who first introduced the Un- uh, Child Protection Act, which entices unaccompanied children to cross the border or have their parents send them across unaccompanied. It showers them with immigration benefits. And then very predictably, the numbers rose drastically after it became law in 2008. And now you have New York Times reporting on how many of these kids 
are going missing, ending up in sex trafficking and child labor violations. So I, I say the left has built an immigration system on the backs of children, and they use NGOs to do it um, and, and several billions of dollars to these NGOs, including faith-based organizations, to help carry this all out. And But the right, again, where's that courage? They need to call all of this out and defund it and not wither when they're labeled heartless, racist, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Laura, it is always a pleasure to have you on here, and I welcome you back anytime, too. You know, there's always something going on, and we're always here to listen and talk. Well, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. It's our pleasure, too. All right. Uh, Lori Reese, you can find her at heritage.org. And that is the, all we got here for today, Curtis. Uh, we will be back next week. we got Mark Tapscott from the Epic Times joining us. And we will have another guest here from Heritage. It could be Laura again. It could be our friend Hans von Spilkowski. We don't know yet. We'll find out. So, Curtis, we're going to say good night and God bless, right? Curtis, unmute yourself. All right, I guess Curtis fell asleep. <laughs> so I will say, see you here again next week. Same bad time, same bad station. God bless and good night. <laughs>